Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled New Birth to Joy and Holiness, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, we are very pleased to announce that we can now be found on Pandora Podcasting Host. We know this is a very popular host, and we are now proud to be hosted by them. This now makes our 24th podcast host you can find us on. Please find a short link to our Pandora page in our show notes. We hope Pandora gives you one more reason to enjoy our podcast. Thank you all for following our podcast so this could happen. Thank you all so much. Last week, June 20th, we studied Part 11, our final episode of our look into a pandemic and Bible prophecy in the book of Exodus. While we found some loose connections to events that are yet to come, we did not find any of the so-called corollaries some pastors on the internet say are solidly present. However, with that said, we did make note of some of the parallels that seemingly bear similarities to ones like them in the book of Revelation, which are commonly made by some in a stronger way than we felt we could make. In one case, found in Exodus, a hailstorm came and God made a place of safety for the Israelites and the Egyptians that believed in similar fashion as the Israelites. With regard to God protecting his people, Israelite or Egyptian, we see a similar means of protecting his people from the tribulation period yet to come. God, being a creative being, does the same thing in a different way then and in the not-so-distant future. Eternal death, in either case, being the strongest link between these two books. What our takeaway is from this comparison is the fact God will protect his people in the taking away, the rapture, when the seven-year global judgment comes upon the whole world, better known as the tribulation period. This week, we start our new summer series found in the books of First and Second Peter. Our previous episodes were a bit different because of the subject matter in Exodus. We now return to our format of no more than three parts to any section of Scripture. We realize that we may not fully capture the Scripture of study. Our primary hope is this study method causes you to dive into the Scripture passage of discussion to discern even more things for yourself so that you become stronger in Christ. This week, our Scripture reads, From Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those temporarily residing abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, the province of Asia, 
and Bithynia, who are chosen, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by being set apart by the Spirit for obedience and for sprinkling with Jesus Christ's blood. May grace and peace be yours in full measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By this great mercy, he gave us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that is, into an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It is reserved in heaven for you, who, by God's power, are protected through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This brings you great joy although you may have to suffer for a short time in various trials. Such trials show the proven character of your faith, which is much more valuable than gold, gold that is tested by fire, even though it is passing away, and yet bring praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You have not seen him, but you love him. You do not see him now, but you believe in him and so you rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, because you are attaining the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 1 Peter, verses 1 through 8. Starting in verse 2, the second portion of thought we see, according to the foreknowledge of God, speaking after the manner of men, Strictly speaking, there is no foreknowledge, no more than afterknowledge with God, but all things are known to him as present from eternity to eternity. This is therefore none other than an instance of the divine condescension to our low capacities. Elect, by the free love and almighty power of God taken out of, separated from, the world. Election, in the scripture sense, is God's doing anything that our merit or power have no part in. The true predestination, or foreappointment of God is, He that believes shall be saved from the guilt and power of sin. He that endures to the end shall be saved eternally. They who receive the precious gift of faith thereby become the sons of God, and, being sons, they shall receive the spirit of holiness to walk as Christ also walked. Throughout every part of this appointment of God, Promise and duty go hand in hand. All is free gift, and yet such is the gift that the final issue depends on our future obedience to the heavenly call. From John Wesley's Notes on the Bible Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, not to an office as to that of bishops or presbyters, for though the apostle writes to some of them under this character, yet not all, nor were they so called, 
as a nation, for they were persons scattered about in several countries, nor as a church, for they are not wrote to as such. Nor does this character merely design their effectual calling, though as that is a fruit and evidence of election, it is sometimes so styled, and the saints called by grace are said to be chosen but it intends the eternal election of those persons both to grace and glory, which the apostle knew of, not by divine revelation or any particular discovery made to him, but he concluded it in a judgment of charity, they being all under a profession of faith in Christ, and he having reason to believe that the greater part of them were truly partakers of that faith which demonstrated them to be the elect of God. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. That's a lot, and only on verse 2. Let's break it down for greater understanding. The first thing in commentary to note is elect, hyphen, by the free love and almighty power of God taken out of, separated from, the world. We were created with a mind, spirit, and emotions in the simplest of definition. If God did not want us to think and reason for ourselves, why did he give us a mind, a brain? In the simplest of explanation, we are free people in him or not in him. We therefore were created with a mind to make choices such as to follow him. Better still, to be co-workers in the work he has for us to do in this life before, as this commentary passage said, we are taken out of this world. To work with him, we need two things. One, to be saved of his grace and by his mercies. Two, to be able to think for ourselves so we can partner with him to get his work in other people done. That's the very simple two-part explanation. By this very simple explanation, we are known as his elect. Those who, by the free love and almighty power of God, are taken out of, separated from, the world. While we live here, we are separated from the world. When he comes again for us soon, we will be separated from this world while the tribulation is at work for seven years, at the very least. However, what does the word elect mean in how Scripture uses it? how commentary uses it. It is as follows here. In theology, to designate, choose, or select as an object of mercy or favor. To choose, to prefer, to determine in favor of. Elect as an adjective. Chosen, taken by preference from among two or more. In theology, Chosen as the object of mercy. Chosen, 
selected or designated to eternal life, predestinated in the divine councils, chosen but not inaugurated, consecrated or invested with office as bishop-elect, emperor-elect, governor, or mayor-elect. But in the scriptures and in theology, this word is generally used as a noun. Elect noun, one chosen or set apart, applied to Christ. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delights. Isaiah chapter 42. Chosen or designated by God to salvation, predestinate to glory as the end, and to sanctification as the means, usually with a plural signification, the elect. Shall not God avenge his own elect? From Luke 18. If it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Matthew chapter 24. He shall send his angels, and they shall gather his elect from the four winds. Again, Matthew 24. Chosen, selected, set apart as a peculiar church and people. Applied to the Israelites. Isaiah chapter 45. There you have it. The small word elect means far more than we might gather simply from reading the Bible text. We should take note of this meaning we just found. Chosen or designated by God to salvation, predestinate to glory as the end, and to sanctification as the means, chosen, selected, set apart as a peculiar church and people. Predestination comes up a lot here in the northeast part of America. Not that it does not elsewhere, but the northeast is what I am familiar with. Without investigation, the meaning of predestinate and how many use the word seem to always be in contrary fashion. Notice how this word is used to define elect. Predestinate to glory as the what? The end. Correctly, being saved in Christ is our predestination to glory as the end. Otherwise, without salvation in Christ, we are predestined by birth after the fall of man to eternity in hell. Here, in this part of America, the word predestinate is used as a form of predetermined. Hence, some believe who are saved in Christ are therefore predetermined or predestinated, which is incorrect. The reason I say that is predestinate means to decree from eternity an event, especially the final salvation of individuals. The final salvation of individuals. 
here, right now, we are still working to that finality. Continuing, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Or, in other words, all men and women are predestined to be saved by Jesus. However, there is one flaw in how humans observe this. It does not mention the fact we do not enter into that predestined salvation without making a true confession of our sin, demonstrate a willingness to work at dropping our sinful nature, and fully receive Christ as our Savior from the sinful nature that condemns all mankind, male or female, to hell for eternity when we die and thus leave this life. So, if unsaved, our only predestination since the fall of mankind is hell. Being truly saved in Christ changes our predestination to heaven, but only by our own individual choosing. The next item of note is election, in the scripture sense, is God's doing anything that our merit or power have no part in. Simply put, another way, there is nothing we can do in our sinful state that will impress God in accepting us into eternity except to surrender our sinful state to Him for the cleansing that comes with salvation. We must bow our sinful attitude and nature to God and receive His salvation for us. If we do not, there is nothing we can do for God that will keep us from hell eternally. Commentary also told us the true predestination or foreappointment of God is, he that believes shall be saved from the guilt and power of sin. There it is. The correct interpretation of predestination is, he that believes shall be saved from the guilt and power of sin. Even with that as what we are predestined to, the choice to be taken into that predestination is ours alone. I am no more predestined to salvation than any other person is. If anyone cannot, will not, or flat out refuses salvation by Jesus Christ, the only sure thing is where you will end up for eternity. It is not heaven for sure. Now, Notice this statement. He that endures to the end shall be saved eternally. This suggests that if we cannot endure to the end, we will not be saved. How does that work? One might say, I received Christ. I know I did, but it was tough. You mean I am not saved after all I put into it because I failed more than I made salvation work? Typically, this is how we interpret such comments when it comes up. 
Why? Because we know how we fail. We know when we fail. Here is how I believe this works. If I or anyone fails, gets back up, and continues forgiven in Christ, then we have nothing to worry about. However, if we fail, as we humans do, then give up, then this comment, he that endures to the end shall be saved eternally, should give us concern for repenting and getting back where we belong in Christ. Even though we are saved in Christ, if we sin, we must repent. If not, we suffer until we do repent. Lastly, throughout every part of this appointment of God, promise and duty go hand in hand. While we inherit the promise of salvation, it is also upon us to be dutiful in our actions, to carry out what we know to be true service to God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, to allow them to operate within us, through us, in such profound ways that others want what we have in Christ and our salvation in Him. The biggest reason in the Northeast American area that we find getting others saved in Christ is our own poor demonstration of our life of faith in Him. If all others see is the fact we have received Christ as our Lord and Savior and nothing else, what is their draw for the same thing in their life? They respond with, Big deal! You have Jesus in your life, but nothing is different. So why should I receive Christ as my Lord and Savior if I am not going to get something out of it? While that is a poor way of looking at things, it is nonetheless how unsaved people look at those who say they are saved in Christ and do not exhibit anything positive, anything scriptural. Simply put, where is the fruit? The fruit is what will bring the unsaved to true confession and salvation in Christ. They will also press onward in Christ, and all of us will see great things to Christ's glory. Next week, we will delve into the scripture passage even deeper. New Birth to Joy and Holiness, Part 2. Just what is an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading? To find out, play or download next week's episode in our summer series, New Birth to Joy and Holiness, Part 2, from one of our podcast hosts. Or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, Please check out our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, 
searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you will find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled How to Be Saved at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode title Introduction About Us who we are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on 22 podcast sites. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.